Hello, hello, my global friends. It's Isabella Lambacure, the world's messenger, and I'm welcoming you to another episode of Legacy Leader Show. I have a very special guest here. He is a true real life survivor from young age, and he was able to turn his life around by becoming a doctor of chiropractic. And today he is a thriving, healthy Mr. Termer, and he's known as Dr. O. And Trust me, guys, it does not stand for Dr. O's or, Do or Oprah. <laughs> we'll have to uh, undercover what that O stands for in our conversation in next hour. He's also owner of Practice of Vitality Healthcare. Please welcome Dr. Stephen Osterhout. Stephen, welcome to Legacy Leader Show. Oh, hello, hello. It's so good to see you, and thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you. Absolutely. Likewise. Great to see your smiling face and I'm finding time in your busy schedule. You are in Michigan. You are outside of Detroit. Could you tell us just how it is current situation back in your neck of the woods? Yep. So the, uh, we're, we're not a metropolis by any means here in Kalamazoo, Michigan. But uh, we, we have some exposure and we know what's going on. So we're very current with the, uh, with the, the latest happenings. And so we're navigating things very well. We're hanging in there. We're, we're trying to take all the precautions with the COVID situation, but we're also aware of uh, really opening our hearts to the other dynamics that are happening. So we're participating and we're paying attention and, and we're, we're in it to take care of everybody. That's wonderful. And, and actually, I feel like I wish I have that opportunity and privilege to be in remote uh, a little bit outside of town or major issues are happening because from here, from Denver, uh, with uh, everything that is going on, things can be very uh, unsettling and very challenging, which we'll get into that in a few minutes. But I'm so glad you're doing well and things are looking up to in Kalamazoo where you're at. Um, yes. But I really wanted to, for our audience to understand how Dr. O became, how did you turn your life around and what actually was pivotal moment in your life on personal level to propel you to be who you are today? Please enlighten us. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, um, you could say I started out with a very traditional upbringing in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you know, I played sports and I did all the traditional stuff and rocket football and soccer and hockey and things like that. And, but, you know, I always had headaches and it seemed like I was getting allergy shots. So my mom was taking me to a traditional doctor. I'd get an antibiotic for this or an antihistamine for that or a decongestant for this. And, and so that seemed like that's just what you do. But when I was 12, um, I started to lose a lot of weight. And so that got my parents' attention. Obviously, they took me to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, you have diabetes. So everybody was just in shock because they were so surprised because everything about me was very, very healthy. And how did this manifest in my body? And so I, I did the traditional approaches for um, a diabetic. I went to the nutritionist and she told me I could go ahead and drink all the diet pop I wanted because it didn't affect my blood sugar. sugar. And she mentioned that uh, I could go ahead and I should drink skim milk and eat whole wheat bread and, and the traditional things that they recommend with dynamics like that. Um, and so in high school, I was thriving with athletics and in my educational experience, but my headaches got worse. 
I was getting fatigued. I was getting stomach aches. And so I just kept getting the traditional medications, the Tylenol, the ibuprofen, the stomach medication, more antibiotics. So by the time I'm in, uh, I'm in college now, I'm, I'm 19 years old and I'm at the university, Western Michigan University, I'm in the engineering program. And I'm working as a civil engineer, an apprentice, and I'm going to my doctor and I'm saying, hey, I, I can't be this fatigued all the time. I got things to do. I'm, I'm getting my degree, I'm working. And he said, you know what, I'll really look you over this time. So he looked me over really good and he said, I think it's your heart. And of course, to hear that, I was shocked because I was, I was a great athlete. I was lifting weights, I was doing everything to maintain my health. And, 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 he, and he said, you know, and he said, you know I'm going to send you to a surgeon. So he sent me to a surgeon and the surgeon said, and the surgeon said I think it's your, it's your heart. It's your heart. So uh, he so, said, um, uh, he said no, I'm going to go ahead and so fix I'm this, gonna and you're going to be a tiger when I finish. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God, please do it. I'm so sick of having headaches and fatigue and stomach aches and being on a medication for this and a medication for that. So I had open heart surgery. At 20 years but old? the issue is I was 20 years old, yep. Oh, my goodness. And that was, that was supposed to be the solution to these issues and after about six months it wasn't the solution it made everything worse more medications more stress and a surgery and that's when i said no more i'm, I'm done with this has to be a solution to why these issues are going on in my body and that's when i started to investigate other forms of medicine i investigated environmental medicine functional medicine and I really traveled the world. I studied in India, Ayurvedic medicine. I studied in Brazil, natural medicine. I studied at the Genesis West Cancer Clinic, summer after summer, um, where it has the most advanced technologies in the world to help heal people. And that's where I really, I got my footing for how does this dynamic with health work? Now, of course, I was in the engineering program at the time and I jumped right into the pre-med program, got my pre-med degree got my doctorate in chiropractic, went on, got a board certification in nutrition, went on, and I'm a member of the American Academy of Environmental Medicine, America, the, wow. uh, a member of the American Academy of, yes, yes, not like, uh, oh anti-aging yes. medicine. Woo. So obviously, you know, as you know, if you're going to be a pioneer and if you're going to be a specialist at what you do, you need that education because there's so much more than what traditionally is available. You have to get post-doctorate education if you're going to be a leader in any field. So that's what I did is I, I got my, my natural stuff. I got my medical stuff. And then I created that vitality healthcare. It's, it's a medical and natural healing center because I know there's value in both, but you don't want to do just natural and you don't want to do just medical. You have to integrate these approaches. If you're authentically going to make a change in the body, that's going to serve you the rest of your life. Oh my goodness. Wow, guys, I am floored. Uh, let's now a little bit depict what you just shared. Uh, that is amazing. I love your uh, drive to find a solution to get to root to the problem and yes. how you pivot and how you shift and change it, your focus, your career, your passion, and, and, and obviously desire to get better and heal yourself. And a lot of times, uh, you know, people are coming from all different cultures and upbringing where what doctor says is the, is the, is, is, you know, it's the final word. And you obviously were not satisfied with just camouflaging the symptoms. You wanted to find the root of those problems. 
And I love what you said that you tapped into different uh, natural avenues of healing from different cultures. Uh, and now you integrate uh, mainstream, but traditional Western approach with alternative, which I also think it's a blend of win-win for the future uh, of the healthcare personally, uh, with also our own personal uh, spiritual beliefs and, and who we are as individuals, right? Because that's we have to look at ourselves holistically to heal. But if you don't mind, since we have a huge percentage of people that have diabetes, not only here in the United States, but around the world, and since diabetic uh, care, it's been very close to home, do you mind a little bit sharing about that journey? Um, how this, um, where you are today, you look extremely healthy to me. I know you ride the bike. I know you adventure and, and, and leveraging beautiful nature where you are outside of Kalamazoo. So tell me how you're thriving. I mean, how you balance all of this? Yeah. Well, again, the, the motivation was when I was diagnosed, they said, if you just do these things that we tell you to do, you're going to be healthy. And that didn't work. That didn't even kind of work. Even though I stayed away from sugar and I ate everything they told me to eat and I did everything they told me to do. And I, I was working out excessively to make up for having a diabetic situation. And that's, that's really the motivation was to say, okay, that isn't, this isn't the answer. If it was the answer, well, I remember I, when I was about 14 and I started doing the cure for diabetes walkathons wow. and they, yeah, they told me there was a cure right around the corner. That was over 30 years ago. And so that again is the traditional way of thinking that there's going to be a cure. There aren't too many cures. Now we have medicines to help people deal with their conditions. And I appreciate that, but that is not where you start or stop. You're, you have to go after what are all those variables in the equation that are contributing to the condition. And that's the only way you'll get your capability to thrive in life and to have the energy to have the, the potential to do what you want to do. That's the only way I'm able to maintain working 70 hours a week and exercising and doing things I love and hiking and mountain biking. And that's the only way you can pull it off is if you, you have to eliminate those factors that have caused any disease process in your body. If you go ahead and medicate yourself and you don't go after the reasons why you need that medication, those factors are still haunting your body and you will have to deal with those sooner or later. Wow, that is such a good uh, actually lesson and great for our listeners to hear because a lot of times we want a quick fix, we're impatient and we do everything else and put everything else as priority versus our own body and our health. And then a lot of times then we run into these reactive stages where we have to find solution versus how to really preserve the health, right? And, 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 and make sure that the longevity is part of it for a long run. Well, that brings us to the, the COVID-19 situation. I've had to reformulate my whole office on navigating that, whether it's using the masks or, or uh, sterilizing everything we can or having a new employee at the nurse at the front door who does the screening for every patient to make sure that they don't have the COVID symptoms. But really the trend here, and I see this on the news, and it's, it's very discouraging because we keep saying, well, we won't have a vaccination until maybe next year or, or maybe late fall at the earliest. We just are all gonna have to avoid everybody and be victims to this virus until we can find a medication or a, a vaccination solution. That's not how we got here as a species. We got here as a species because we're hardy and we've survived. 
So what should be the conversation that should be happening is, what can we do to strengthen our immune systems? What can we do to take these, what they're called comorbidities. A comorbidity means there's a disease process that makes you more vulnerable, not to, not to the coronavirus, to anything. So they did research in, in New York recently, and uh, the Journal of uh, uh, American Medical Association came out and said that 94% of every person who got COVID-19 had a comorbidity. They had heart disease, they had diabetes, they were overweight or obese, they had an autoimmune process. This is our society. We have almost 50% of the American population. This is, this is research by the American uh, Heart Association. Almost 50% of the American population has heart disease. Almost 39% of the American population is overweight over, or obese. And the diabetic dynamic going on in America right now, almost one out of every three Americans has diabetes or is pre-diabetic right now. We live in a society that nourishes degenerative conditions because we're not focusing on what causes health issues in the first place. We're looking for that quick fix, like you said, in that medication. It's concerning. Wow. I have to say, I was just listening to you. Uh, it is very also eye-opening, and and it's interesting too how commercials, pharmaceutical companies, uh, just in general mindset, it's focusing on wrong things, and as a result, we are focusing on wrong things. How little of true genuine um, education is done in that in that field. Uh, I come from Europe, as you know, and uh, growing up, being having mom uh, as a, as a highly educated nurse that we had a library of, of books in our, you know, at, at our home to read about. I remember the first time I saw the book about pills and I'm like looking at every single pill, like every pill has a side effect and every pill has something that's gonna damage something else. I was like, doesn't matter if it's just a small micro, a percentage of that. I'm like, I don't have no need. And I remember, and I still to this day, I can tell you how many ibuprofens or Tylenols I had. I mean, I never go in that route personally but was it such a great eye-opening because she's like, Isabella, you have all the answers you need, just take a look. And uh, we always focus on preventative health. And I have to say one big shock and adjustment to this system was how little we're focusing now on preventative health in this country. So do you mind depicting a little bit of that because I want us to uh, bring uh, weekly or bi-weekly uh, conversations with a global community, with our community live, where they can ask the questions. Because we are, I know we're depicting so many things here, Stephen, but, uh, but it's a great start. So if you don't mind just arming us a little bit with where do we even start and how should we switch? How should we be more concerned about our own health? What should we ask? What procedures to accept? And, and then what ultimately is it's our duty and obligation that we're not still 100% relying on the doctors who are barely seeing us two minutes per visit when we go to see them. And right now, obviously, virtually barely even that, right? Right, agreed, yeah. So let me start with the approach that I've created in the office. So if we get a new patient, let, let's just say, and I know you're super healthy, you take care of yourself, and you look great, by the way. Um, but let's just say- you, you, you helped me, you actually did intervention, and you helped me, and we'll get to that in a second. But I really appreciate it, and I feel like I wanna do more. So let's-, let's yeah, thank, you. thank you. 
but let's just say you come to the office and we do our evaluation and we see that your blood pressure is elevated. It's concerning. I'm not going to say, well, you know, I did study in the Brazilian rainforest. I have an herb for you. Go ahead and take that herb for six months and we'll see what happens. That's dangerous. It's not the right approach. What I'm going to say is this office has a medical side and a natural side. I have to send you over to my nurse practitioner who will address this right now. She's going to write you a prescription for high blood pressure because with your blood pressure being this high, you will stroke out in the next week and it's dangerous. She's going to give you that prescription. I want you to go fill that. And then though, she's going to send you right back to me. And as a functional medicine doctor, I'm going to address the underlying reasons why your body is causing the elevated blood pressure that could kill you and is so dangerous in the first place. As we start to address those dynamics, those variables that are causing the elevated blood pressure over the next three months, your blood pressure is going to start going down. And as it goes down in the office, we collaborate with the medicine to start reducing the medicine. The medicine goes down as we start to heal your body. Within four to six months, you're off your medicine. We have a new lifestyle. We've increased your constitution. We've increased your immune response. We reduce the inflammation in your body. That's how it's supposed to work every time. So. Yes, please. So some of those things are. <laughs> so yeah, those, those things are that we do though, after we get you on a med, just to make sure we have that band-aid so that way you don't have an issue, a heart condition in the next week or so, or, or have a stroke. We'll look for those parts. And those parts are, as you asked, do you have a genetic predisposition for heart disease? Because there's nothing else that gets me more worked up in the office than when I get a man in there, a new patient, and he goes, Doc, I'm fine. I just want you to look at this right here. My shoulder hurts. I can't move it at all. And I'm looking at his history, and he, he has high blood pressure. He has diabetes. He's overweight. He's taking uh, pain medication. No, no, I'm, I'm healthy. My numbers are normal. Your numbers are normal because you're taking poisons to make you go into that space. If your body could go into that space by itself, you wouldn't be in my office. We have to address those underlying conditions. Those underlying conditions are, there's things that activate genetic predispositions in the body. Mm. In my particular case, being a diabetic at age 12 and not having anybody in the family being diabetic, they told me it was genetic. And then they push you out of the room. And I, I'm a brilliant doctor, but I was going to places that he didn't study in his post-doctor education. He was brilliant with his traditional medicine. So that was one of the things that frustrated me to learn about what are those other variables. The other variables are food sensitivities. That means that you could eat any food, you could react to those proteins with your immune system. It causes an inflammatory response. Inflammation is the secret silent killer. The other variable in the equation, chemical exposures. We're inundated every day with chemicals, whether it's new paint, new carpet, lotions, perfumes. These all play a part in activating and irritating the physiology and even contributing to diseases and cancer. So those are two of the variables. We call those environmental triggers. The third trigger that's associated with COVID is a pathogen a virus, a bacteria, a parasite, a fungus. Mm. And how that plays into this is as we become more inflamed and fragile, these pathogens that are a part of our normal ecosystem in our body, 
start to grow to high numbers when they never should have done that. Growing in high numbers pollutes our body, makes us more fragile. We take those environmental triggers with a leaky gut or a hyperpermeable bowel. What that means is we've had too much Tylenol, we've had too many antibiotics, we have too much stress, too much sugar, too much coffee, herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, fertilizers, growth hormones, antibiotics, steroids, genetically modified foods, you got it, right? That wow. damages, it's, 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 it's really true. terrible. I know, I know it's a reality, but when you look at it from that, it's like, oh my God, that list is extremely long and sounds extremely dangerous. And when you blend all of those components together, I'm surprised we're still living, breathing and walking around and functioning seriously, honestly. Well, we're not, we're not. We're living and breathing and functioning partially. Everybody's sick. We know what the stats are. We, we have a society of sickness. And it's damaging from a business point of view, it's damaging from a productivity point of view, and it's damaging from a happiness point of view. Because every day we have these triggers going on in our bodies and it's stifling our happiness and it's stifling our potential. So those, those are the dynamics that I always work on. We call those the, the three triggers there, the genetic predisposition that's activated by leaky gut, which we all have. And then those environmental triggers, that sets us up for the disease process and that's where we get into trouble. That is very eye-opening. And I'm so glad you explained so beautifully that absolutely anybody can understand and can put in perspective. Yeah, but it also obviously calls for a major, major call for action because uh, I now, and I love you touch on multiple things. New currency is not anymore. How much money do you necessarily have and building this insane wealth and but being sick and miserable. It's about quality of life, being happy, having quality relationships, uh, be able to contribute in society in a positive way and, and, and really be good representative of what humanity is all about, right? Or should be. In uh, the same time, your best currency is your health. And I just love how you took all those ads against you and you walking the talk. You're not just talking theoretically here, but when it comes from you, obviously you've been there, you've done that. And do you mind just giving a little blueprint just for audience to really understand what that looks like in real life. You know, like what are some of those habits that uh, will help us augment with all of the crazy stuff you just listed that is so terrifying, but you know. Sure, so that was, you could say, there's parts outside that equation. That's the heavy equation. There's the nice parts outside that equation, which is drink clean water. Make sure it's not full of lead, mercury, arsenic, cadmium, aluminum. Make sure it's charcoal filtered and ozonated. And, and so that's what qualifies. Your, your body is mostly water. You got to have clean water. You got to get the sun. I don't know where this research came from in the 70s and 80s that said, avoid all the sun. Make sure you have this toxic sunscreen all over your body. We evolved with the sun as a species. It makes vitamin D, by the way, vitamin D is not a vitamin, it's a steroid. It reduces the incidence of every major disease process in the body. So those are little things that help your body buffer those big stressors I talked about. The 7.5 hours of sleep every night, your body needs to regenerate itself. If you're not getting quality sleep, quality sleep means you sleep the whole night. If you're not getting that quality sleep, you're shutting down. There's something in the middle of the brain called the pineal gland. It makes melatonin. Melatonin is super popular. You can get it at the health food store, and I have it in my, my shop. 
but it supplements what the brain should be making, that pineal gland. So my vision with patients, I don't want to supplement. I want to get your brain working, that pineal gland working to make that melatonin because that melatonin sets your body up. It's anti-aging, it's anti-cancer, and it regulates your circadian rhythms. So important. So we got sun, we got water, we got sleep. We have something that you've already mentioned, and, and that is having that, that positivity, that attitude of gratitude because that can change within seconds. And when you go from a good attitude to a negative attitude, your body has to respond to that thought process. A negative thought process makes hormones that are inflammatory. It affects every tissue in your body. A positive thought process creates hormones that are healing and help you over. Think about if, if you've ever been in love, which I bet you have, <laughs> but when you're in love, you're making these neurotransmitters and hormones and you're invincible. Nothing can challenge you. When you have a heartbreak, it seems like everything is just sabotage and nothing's gonna go right. So that's how important just your perception of what's going on in the world you live in is to how your body functions. So those are some of the components that everybody can do every day just to try to maintain the homeostasis, the equilibrium, the symmetry in their body so that they can be a little closer to super good health. Wow, that is fantastic pathway for a daily routine and, and things to be more conscious and cognizant about it. Um, and obviously a diet, right? And what we, how we nurture our body, what type of food we intake and whatnot. But, but things, and often we, we, we think, oh, it's like nothing I can do. But reality is we have so much just to practice. We're doing a lot of things on autopilot. We don't pay attention to all these details to the level you just highlight and how important they are, right? So that's fantastic. Anything that you'd like to add, since we might have some other well, tricks there, please. There has to be an intervention because as you said, that uh, we have been conditioned by society to think that, um, I know myself growing up, I would watch the, the Mountain Dew commercials and the Diet Mountain Dew commercials. And it, we had five or six guys on mountain bikes going over a hill or a cliff and they're all high-fiving afterwards. And as a young adult and, adult that is fun it has my attention it captures my interest and all of a sudden i'm associating my my fun and brotherhood with a diet mountain dew something that's absolutely poisoned the body that's great marketing and that's our society absolutely poison and that happens all the time and and so we want to be cognizant aware that just because it's on TV doesn't mean it's past inspection and is safe. We need to make choices for ourselves. Put it this way, that in Diet Pop, aspartame is 600 times sweeter than sugar. So if you're drinking a Diet Pop and you blow your brain chemistry out like that, do you think you're gonna be satisfied with a banana or an apple or a carrot? No way, you're gonna want 10 bananas you're going to eat or drink tons of carrot juice to get that sweetness level back up in your brain. So what do you do? You go for cookies and cakes and you go for another diet Mountain Dew that potentiates a degenerative inflammatory process in the body that cultivates disease. Our food is engineered for disease because you want to go buy it again because it tastes so good. It shouldn't taste that good. Wow. It's a drag, right? So I totally, totally see that because I have a few go-to things and, 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 and even they say, even the great high quality stuff in the large quantity can be very, very dangerous. 
and yeah. being known a uh, dark chocolate chocoholic, you know, so it's like Isabella, maybe few pieces versus maybe whole bar or yes. yeah, I can totally, That's see it. That. I can see that. How do you control? You're supposed to have just a little corner piece. Oh, geez. I, I'm trouble, doctor. Doctor, oh, I need help. <laughs> but 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 it's it's so true. It's so many things are so addictive and we don't really realize till you assess because, you know, living for so many years on my own, it's like I can start a breakfast with whatever I want. Ultimately, yes, I do eat healthy, but, you know, it's like if one day I want to just, uh, you know, go crazy with some sweets, I, I, I do it. And, and because cravings, right? But then you really, when you put back and now when you were sharing, uh, you were just feeding the monster and you're just feeding things that are gonna uh, affect you negatively. And you're totally right, it creates brain fogginess, creates a lot of side effects where the focus goes away and productivity goes down the toilet. And it's like, what can I do now? Almost takes 24 to 48 hours to kind of get out of the haze. And I see a lot with, with performers in sports, but also in business arena that are truly stuck they're, they're like in that cycle that they cannot like we're talking about you know coffee sweets uh quick snacks uh whatever it's available and then going in those cycles and no wonder by midnight you know you're just so drained and exhausted you can't fall asleep and you don't get rested right next day that's exactly right it actually takes four days when you react to something like what dairy or wheat or coffee or chocolate, whatever your food sensitivity is. We scan every patient. We do a food sensitivity profile. Or in the past 15 years I've been practicing, I've never had one patient that doesn't have food sensitivities. So it, it's everybody has and everybody's reacting, everybody's inflamed, but it takes, once you have that food reaction, it takes four days for that reaction to go down. And then you can start to feel normal if you don't eat it again during those four days. Now, this is something that I'll share with you something personal that I probably shouldn't, but I'm gonna, just because you're so wonderful. Thank you. So with, even with my knowledge, I love coffee. I love to find organic coffees and, and free trade coffees, and I love the different flavors. And so I play hockey Ooh, every what, what Saturday. Position, what position before you tell, go, what position? Forward, I score, I score goals. Yay! <laughs> got to, got to. Awesome. Um, so on Saturday and Sunday, those are my days to have a little bit of fun. They're not cheap days because those could get out of hand, but I have a little bit of fun and I'll have some coffee. And I enjoy coffee, I really do. But coffee is a trigger for my physiology. <laughs> Look at how funny. big mag is that? <laughs> that? That looks fun. Now with me though, it is a trigger for my immune system. So I will have an inflammatory reaction to it and my joints will actually hurt for about two days to three days afterwards. And I feel inflamed for four days afterwards. Everybody has that cycle if they have something or exposed to that they react to. Now, so if I have coffee on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, and I stop on Monday, the inflammation goes down by Friday and I play my hockey on Friday nights, and I have a wonderful hockey game on Friday nights because my joints don't hurt. On Saturday, I'll go ahead and have a coffee and start the whole cycle over again. Now this, I do not recommend to your viewers and I don't do that all the time. When I'm being naughty, that's what I do. And yes, I can take glucosamine sulfate and methyl sulfonylmethane, all these great supplements to buffer some of that inflammation. I can even take some Tylenol 
but the best thing to do is to not cultivate the inflammatory process in the first place. Tylenol hurts your liver, damages the brain. Supplements are great, but you don't wanna use supplements as an expensive Band-Aid. Let's pull out that inflammatory fire first and then use nutrition to help the body rebuild. That is an excellent point, and, and, and it's a good for you because you also you know the side effects, you experience the side effects, you know how long it takes, so you can really also put in a practice with your patients. And sometimes, yes, uh, the devil in, in a litter of those addictions that we have, uh, but at least you know the process and you know what you know. You, you know you know how to handle that you know how to monitor that you know how to manage that and yeah. a lot of times i feel like we do not know that and as a result instead of what we think we're doing to make things better we actually make things worse so those are excellent tips and, and great ways to be aware of and i'm glad you offer and have opportunity to select and depict those allergies and identify where the problems are. But also you have a great library of, uh, of knowledge and uh, vitamins and supplements. I remember first time and for all the listeners, I had a, um, after my last trip on March 5th, traveling probably pick up COVID-19 and I had a horrible coughing. And uh, when Steven chatted with me, he's like, what are you doing? And he, he was nice, but he, I was doing all the wrong stuff. I even thought I thought I'm buying great brands. The brands were bad. There were a lot of fillers. There was not a good quality. There was a not right measure of the percentage of things I should be taking. And um, I, was, I felt like I'm being taken care of by somebody who truly, genuinely, not only is interesting for my well-being, but knows what he's talking about. And that Thank in you. times when you, not many people knew anything about COVID-19 and there was just so many different theories and I am by myself. It's like, whatever happens, I might die. Nobody will know, I'm by myself. I am dealing on all of this on my own. So it's like, okay, what else I can do, you know, at least to put a best foot forward to get rid of what I was dealing with. And I have to say, there was a huge, huge shift and much appreciated. So do you mind sharing a little bit more? How do you also realize the differences in these different branding and why prompts you actually to have a look at closely, not only the labels, but substances, the percentage of certain things uh, so that uh, enhances that obviously well-being? Well, first, most of our nutritional products, supplements, vitamins are sourced from countries that don't have good regulation. They're contaminated with heavy metals. The, well, the, actually there was some research, again, I think it was a New York attorney general, and they actually sampled different supplements from GNC, Walmart, and they found out that those supplements didn't have the ingredients. They had less than 1% of the ingredients that they advertise and label, and they were full of rice filler and commonly known weeds. And these were supplements at our major stores and uh you can google that it's it's it, it was shocking when it came out so the, after that and i've always i've been studying nutrition and what's called orthomolecular medicine for over 30 years ever since i knew that doing this was changing my health i of course obsessively went in there and studied everything i could about orthomolecular medicine so it makes a huge difference and you never cut quality when you put things in your body whether it's a fish oil whether it's an antioxidant like vitamin C, vitamin E, vitamin D, um, the proteins, the source is absolutely imperative. And that's one of the reasons why I have in my office 
my medical office, I have a supplement nutritional shop because I only want my patients, and now we just open it up to the public, but I only want, if I give my patient nutrition, I have to know that that nutrition is actually making a difference in their body. It's absolutely imperative. Because you know what they're taking while they're on, and you know what kind of side effects they should or should not experience. And, and that is huge eye-opening because, as you said, it's so much on the market. I thought if I'm buying product from Whole Foods, from trusted brands and approved high-quality stuff and spend uh, money for the highest-quality products, I thought I'm doing all great. And as a consumer, I have to say it's really nerve-wracking. Who do you trust and who you do trust in this time when it's an invasion of so much information, what or not to do, and how important it is to build the trust back in communities and and really echolate and echo the good a good side of things because uh, they're often overshadowed unfortunately and I think that is why it's so uh, imperative to have these dialogues and conversation where it's not profit a focal point when it's actually well-being of people focal point like in your case in your scenario and that's why I admire so much. Uh, which brings another another segue in this. Uh, obviously, you love what you do. You love people, and 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 that's why we connected because uh, uh, we need a more that humane, genuine interest and touch, and 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 spread that wealth of knowledge and love and true kindness and compassion and care. So, what is your ultimate goal with uh, everything you do that you want to pass on and future generations? What would you like to be known by? What would you like to be your legacy? I know it's a full loaded, numerous streams of questions, but they all fit in the core of who you are. So, please share some of those thoughts. Well, one of the truly one of the things that brings me the most joy is I've I have families that have been coming to me for 15 years, and I've taken care of the kids. And those kids right now, I have kids in my office that are now in school and they're getting their pre-med degree because they want to do what I'm doing. They want to do what Dr. O did. They are so dedicated to their health and their family has gotten such great results that they want to go ahead and share that. And in fact, I'm already talking to having associates because these kids now are going to be graduating and they're going to go in to get their doctorate. And they're talking, we're already having conversations about them coming back to my office to practice. Something super fun is I have two nephews and Alex and Grant, 24 and 22, and they grew up around this. They saw what their uncle did and, and they came as patients and, and they've overcome some of their health challenges too. And they're both at Western Michigan where I went and they're both in the pre-med program and they're both thinking about going on to be doctors and so I'm super excited just to, the idea is to cultivate this awareness in the public, in our community, so that everybody gets a chance to know that there's hope and that there's help. Because without this understanding, more people are going to have surgeries that are unneeded, they're going to be medicated, and there's going to be side effects from those medications. That is not the path I want anybody to go. I've been there. I've done that. I appreciate it, but I never want to use it as my first line of defense. That is your last line of defense. So that's why I've, I've created really one of the, you could say, the, one of the largest integrative medical natural healing centers in the Midwest, because we want to offer this opportunity to everyone. 
That is beautiful. And, and your practice is very big and growing and thriving. And even during this time, I know you're doing a lot of resourceful ways and creative ways to help people, not only in office, but also virtually. And it's such a great legacy to have to really show what longevity of quality of life can be, right? And then also what you pass in future generation and how you influence your family members. That is so admirable. I had a chance to uh, exchange some information with Grant and he was absolute delight, very young, uh, professional and, and very sweet, very kind. And it's also great to see younger generation taking pride in what you do, what you build on your on your sweat and tears and, and, and pains uh, to make it happen. So um, absolute pleasure to hear your sharing. Any closing remarks that you'd like to share with our audience um, that you think will be important or just recap? Um, at this point, at this time that we live in, of so much anxiety and change and, and, and transformation? Sure, sure. Well, boy, there, there's so many different things I could say about that. I, I think one is there's IQ and EQ. There's intellectual intelligence. There's emotional intelligence. And I spent a lot of time and energy, 12 years in school, to get my IQ um, my intellect to that place where I wanted to be just perfect. I wanted just to know everything. And then after that, I realized that's not enough because they don't teach you in the doctorate program how to be a leader, how to be a mentor. They, the doctorate that's program is made to be, that is, a, well, you know, really that's my segue into, into you because there's such an emotional component to not only working, what I found out working with my patients, but working with people in general. You have to have the emotional intelligence, that that interest in having kindness and to share that. And, and I just want to say one of the things is thank you because I have an office, almost 30 staff members, 30 team members in my office. And it's it's difficult to navigate. The doctoring is a part of who I am. It's easy. I save lives all the time. But running that office and managing staff is challenging. So I want to say thank you because you've given me advice and wisdom and, and really some perspective on how to navigate my team that I didn't know. They didn't train me in, in my educational process. So thank you so much. And that's why I am here for you to have any type of, of podcast you ever want to do. I'm indebted to your wisdom and your experience. Thank you so much. Oh, you're sweet. Very kind of you. Thank you. And I love you touched about importance that we as an we, we, we can absorb so much knowledge, but also we need to be emotionally able to process. And one thing that I'm seeing also, beside emotional intelligence, we also have to have emotional capacity. And right now, these trying times are really showing, do we have emotional capacity with everything that is going on to now bring our social intelligence, our intellectual intelligence? Uh, aspects of intelligence, obviously, our IQ with EQ, but also with overall capacity to pool that we can handle the best, all these um, challenges that other people collectively as a group, when 30 people show up in office exhibit, which, which can be very, very draining and very uh, stressor provoking. And you want to create oases and peace and, and harmony in your environment. So it's amazing and brilliant do you see the value of that as well? So 
it was absolute pleasure having you. This is just a little flavor introduction for Dr. Oh, my dear uh, listeners. But we will be doing very soon a lot of lives uh, and opportunity for you to ask questions and for us to pivot and show you how to create that perfect balance and harmony so that you guys can absolutely thrive and show you how because Dr. O knows the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have a great day.